Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. I come to you again with another great episode of Political Theater with Charles Nash here. I am your host today for another excellent, excellent adventure in broadcasting today. So we're going to go ahead and I'm going to phase out of Queen here. Another one bites the dust. And we will go ahead and get right into today's podcast. So we have a lot of things, <clears throat> a lot of things that um, to talk about in the news that is happening now. We're going to go ahead, I'm going to go ahead and bring up the very first feed that we're going to talk about today. Uh, the very first feed that we're going to talk about, um, it's going on right now, is Joe Biden, uh, our Dementia president uh, is right now is addressing the UN on the heels of a botched Afghanistan exit, surging COVID across the US and around the world, and now even a new Cold War fear that is sweeping the nation. I want to go ahead and get to this article. It is by Fox News Affiliates. Um, <clears throat> this is going on, like I said, right now. It says Biden faces a test of America is back claim after boggled Afghanistan withdrawal, uh, dust up with France. We're going to read a little bit into this. Now, as we all know, since Afghanistan, the botch of the withdrawal, Many of our allies from around the world are distancing themselves from, from the Biden administration and from U.S. policies and alliances. Um, that's not a good thing, ladies and gentlemen, at all. So we're going to get into this article here again. This is by Fox News Affiliates. It says President Biden is set Thursday. Uh, excuse me. Yeah. Tuesday, excuse me, Tuesday morning to deliver his first address at the United Nations General Assembly since taking office, facing his international peers following the United States' chaotic withdrawal from Afghanistan, aimed tensions with France after a new uh, agreement with the United Kingdom and Australia, all while the world continues to gripple or grip with COVID-19 pandemic. So there you have it. Uh, it says, <clears throat> it says right here, it says, asked about multiple crises facing the Biden administration, White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki said this, what do, what you do as president, you navigate crises, you weather the storms and weather uncertainty during the right during right now, Pelosi, uh, uh, Pisaki said on CBS this morning. Um, folks, I'm going to tell you right now, this administration, and I, I am really not trying to sound biased here at all. Uh, 
this administration, like I've said many, many times before, does not care. They do not care about you or I. They do not care about the crisis at the border. They do not care about the Afghanistan pullout. Um, they don't care about trapped American civilians in Afghanistan. They don't care about the issues that are uh, that our adversaries are pouring on us. Rather, that be cyber attacks, uh, <clears throat> naval wars that are going on, the buildup of our adversaries around us, or the fact that, again, we have countries like China who is stealing, stealing the blueprints from our own companies here in the United States over products and the rights of products. Heck, just the other day, folks, we had Kim Jong-un in North Korea firing ballistic missiles again into the ocean being pointed right at Japan. If that doesn't say that we're in a situation here um, that screams for leadership, I, I don't know what else to say. And Biden will never be, <clears throat> excuse me, he will never be an individual, the president that wields leadership for this country. There is no one steering the boat, folks. And if there is someone steering the boat, it's the man behind the curtain, whoever is pulling the strings over Biden and his administration, because it sure as hell isn't Joe Biden. So that's just one news article. Um, again, that's from Fox News and Affiliates. Now... Getting on to some other news here in the, in the United States, I want to get to what's going on at our southern border. So I want to read this article. It's actually happening right now. You can follow it live on TV. All the networks, major networks, are covering it. Most of them, at least. It says, DHS Security, uh, or Secretary, uh, Mayor Koss, if I'm pronouncing his name correctly, FBI Director Wei testified at Senate committee hearing on threats of on threats to the U.S. Basically, what's going on right now, folks? He is testifying. <clears throat> Excuse me, I'm fighting a cold here, everyone. He is testifying right now to the Senate committee about the crisis going on at our southern border. And it's a big issue going on because, again, we have people just flooding to the southern border um, and there's no, there's no end in sight of what's going on. I'm going to bring up this article here. Um, this is on Newsmax. This hit about an hour ago. It says, former ICE official. It says, migrants being transported 
released around the United States. It says migrants entering the U.S. at the southern border are being shipped to various cities where they are released. A former immigration and customs enforcement field officer said, government contracted planes uh, transport migrants from the border and into the custody of the ICE field officers around the country. Uh, this was being reported today. At least tens of thousands of individuals have been released from these detention centers, the news outlets are reporting. One ICE official said it's happening on a grand scale, uh, said Tom Freely, former director of the ICE Buffalo Field and Office. Uh, Fields offices are getting pounded every day, fielding calls from headquarters about who they can release to make room for more people at the border. And in the following weeks, they're getting more calls about uh, daily, again, about who can be released from the southern border and the detention centers. He was quoted on saying, basically, all we're doing is we're catching them at the border, shipping them into the interior of the United States, releasing them and getting more and then releasing them and then getting more and then releasing them. Now, folks, this is nothing new with what I'm reporting and what's being reported in the news. The issue is, and I've brung this up multiple times. The issue is we have people flooding this country at the southern border who are, one, could be carrying COVID. Two, could have any other virus or communicable disease. And we have no idea, no idea what's coming in whether it be men, women, or children. Next, we have, we're not screening any of these people. We have no idea what's coming in to this country at the southern border. I've said this multiple times. No clue what's coming in here. We just had the 20th anniversary of September 11th. And the motto is, never forget. Have we forgotten what happened 20 years ago? Yes, at the southern border, people aren't getting on a plane, so to speak. Well, actually, they are, folks. They are getting on planes. They're either being bussed or they're being flown to different states around the United States. So I guess I, I am making this point. Or do we really need another September 11th? We do not know what's coming in at the southern border. How do we know that any of these people at the southern border are not in, are, are, are not Al-Qaeda members? Are part of the Taliban? Or ISIS-K? Or whatever you want to call them. No one is screening any of this. Now, I know we have precautions on planes now with, you know, barred doors. 
we're supposed to have a secondary um, security system in front of the barred doors that we have now. Not all planes apparently have them. Do we need another September 11th happening? Do we need bombings to start taking up in this country? We are not screening anyone coming into this country. And you have ICE officers and agents at the border that are scrambling, scrambling to try to control our border. There was an image that I, I seen on CNN of an ICE field agent on a horse lassoing a man coming across the southern border. Now, it's already catching heat because you have activists going, well, that's a man on a horse. It's an officer, and he's, he's, he's wrangling a black man. I've already heard the racist chant starting. I've, I can already tell you where it's heading. I've already seen news outlets already going on about how we've got racism at the border or field officers or officers in general of the law are, are attacking migrants. Again, folks, they're trying to do their job. Is lassoing a person the best method? No. But in the same aspect, when there is no law at the, at the border, because we have the Biden administration. We have Joe Biden right now, folks, on vacation. He's on vacation again. We have multiple crises unfolding. You've had many security directors here in the United States saying, look, we cannot take the influx at the southern border. It's going to collapse. We had governor, the governor of Texas, Mr. Abbott, issue a letter to Joe Biden just yesterday asking to make this an emergency declaration at the southern border because of the influx and the massive weight that's at the southern border. And where is our president at? He's nowhere to be found. Nowhere. I, I'm reading you the news, folks, as it comes in. So I'm going to get to some other topics here. This one again. This one is over the, again, the caravan coverage of the southern border. And, and, and right here it is. Um... Now, this one is on Reuters. Reuters has their own little article here about the southern border. Now, theirs is a little bit different because theirs not only just is tying in the southern border crisis, they're asking the same question. Like I just posed, what is coming across the southern border that we don't know? They go one step further, asking the same thing that I just asked. What about COVID? What about other illnesses coming into the United States? We just had Dr. Fauci 
We just had a bunch of Democrats. We even had some Republicans. We have the Biden administration going on about how COVID is running rampant. COVID now has killed more people now than the 1918 uh, flu pandemic. Now, I don't believe that. Again, because we can't get an accurate number from the CDC or the World Health Organization. So how do we know that it actually surpassed the 1918 flu pandemic? I'm, I'm still trying to figure that one out. But I, I, I've seen it. I, I, I seen it here the other day. Here's a, a, a news article from the Washington Post. It says, Homeland Security officers will investigate after images show agents on horseback grabbing immigrants, prompting probe. It says, images by Homeland Security to the news networks show horrifying images of horse-mounted patrol agents confronting um, Hayton or Hades immigrants. Folks, it's going to keep getting worse before it gets better. There is no, there's no extra funding going into the ICE officers at the southern border. There's no extra funds going into the, the southern border. You have the Biden administration who has stopped all of Donald Trump's uh, border policies that were working. They removed all of them. We have a southern border that's not finished. The wall's not finished. The Biden administration is still putting up fronts to try to stop that. We have drug trafficking. We have human trafficking coming across the border in untold numbers. And then we've got catch and release going on again. And all these immigrants are getting sent all over the United States with God knows what. Now, I, I just looked at the pool here the other day from Rutgers again. They had a pool out also from MSNBC. It said again, the number one thing that everyone is worried about here in the United States, top of the list, were two things. The one thing that was higher than the pandemic was inflation. I couldn't believe it. I thought for sure it was going to be the pandemic. It was inflation. And you know why that is. I'm just going to go ahead and reiterate what I've said multiple times. No one worries about inflation and money until it starts hitting their wallets. Now people that have money are starting to lose money. And it's affecting everyone now. Or you're having to pay out a lot more. What did I say? When it starts affecting people's billfolds and wallets, that's when people in the United States are going to start waking up. It's happening. According to the polls. But the second thing on the on the list of thing, worrisome, worrisome things, excuse me, worrisome things that people are worried about, the number two spot in the polls was the COVID pandemic. So I will go ahead and just say this. 
if we are still so fixated on COVID or the variants of COVID, rather the COVID MU variant or you name it, that's going on out there, like the Delta variant. If we're so worried about these things still, why are we not asking the main question here? Why is no one screaming about what's coming across or potentially hazardous coming across our southern borders? But you know, here three weeks ago, you heard you heard White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki. You heard what she said when she was asked, and she was asked by Fox News, one of their reporters in the White House, what did he say? He said, you're worried about putting a mandate on unvaccinated people, citizens here in the United States, but yet you're not worried about illegal immigrants and what comes into this country? And her answer was no. A resounding no. I even made a joke about it when I said she sh- he, he should have made one of those faces at the camera from from the one guy from the, the TV show The Office where he kind of looks at the camera and he's just dumbfounded by what he hears. And that's the administration, folks. That is their mindset that's going on right now. They don't care. Because the Democrats and the Biden administration, they've already made it clear they want open borders. They want to unleash the chaos along this country and let everybody flow in here. And that's what they want. It doesn't matter about follow the science. It doesn't matter about your you and I safety. It doesn't matter about any of that. They don't care. All they care about is imposing, ruling, and making sure that they're in control of the House, the Senate, and the presidency. That's all they care about, folks. It's a power grab. So right now, like I say, you have um, Way. Um, you have you have you have Ray right now testifying in the Senate committee hearing, uh, examining the 9/11 impact to Homeland Security and the issue going on at the southern border. What I'm going to do here, folks, I'm going to go ahead and take an obscene uh, profit commercial timeout. And when I come back, uh, we have many more things to discuss besides just the southern border. We are going to get back onto that, though. But we have many things in, in the news today to discuss. So hold tight. Uh, like I said, when I come back, we'll get into that in just a brief minute. I've lived in Ohio my whole life. Grew up here, built my life here on this farm. I was raised to not complain. If there was a problem, we'd have to find a solution. I'm not afraid to stand up for what I believe in, so I decided to become part of the solution here in Ohio. Ohioans deserve to have a voice that isn't bound by special interest and political favors. 
There's no reason why Ohio can't have a balanced budget. We need to protect the sanctity of life, protect the Second Amendment, and allow the people of Ohio to have the freedom to make their own choices for their health. I want to fight for the common people because that's what I am. Join me as we fight for what's right in Ohio. Support Joe Blystone for governor. As I was aging, the pain in my hips was getting worse and worse. So I ordered relief factor for pain I was having in my neck and my knees. After 30 years of back pain, I have found relief. I am pain-free. I love it. I am so glad that I ordered Relief Factor. I am now pain-free. Thank you, Relief Factor. Folks, I don't know how to tell you how rewarding it is to hear all the wonderful Relief Factor success stories. Pat Boone again. Let me ask you, are aches and pains keeping you from sleeping through the night? Or keeping you from taking those nice long walks or playing golf or tennis? You can't really call it living if you can't get around comfortably. The three-week quick start from Relief Factor may be all you need to lower or even eliminate these pains. Here's something you need to know. The majority of people who order the three-week quick start, now only $19.95, go on to order more. Let's see if we can get you out of pain, too. Go to relieffactor.com. And we are back here, ladies and gentlemen. Like I said, we have many more things to continue on with here in our podcast. I'm going to go ahead and get the um, Seagulls and their song, I Run, so far away. I'm going to go ahead and get them cut down here so we can head back to what we were talking about. So what we were talking about, we were talking about uh, the issue going on at the southern border. Um, I'm going to get back to the Newsmax article here that I was looking at before. There's a little bit more into this article that I want to discuss. It says, um, Border Patrol Agent Judd to Newsmax. It says, DHS new migrant surge was coming. Now, again... This is the migrant surge that's at the southern border right now. That's overwhelming the southern border right now. This is Brandon Judd, a Border Patrol agent and president of the National Border Patrol Council, told Newsmax today that the Department of Homeland Security was aware that the surge of illegal migrants was on their way to the southern border in June, but did nothing to prepare for the influx. He says DHS knew it was coming, Judd said on Monday. He says they were warned back on June the 17th that there was going to be an issue coming. They were warned that there was needed, that they needed to build a temporary outdoor processing center, similar to what we have in McAllen, Texas. And they have and they had done that. We weren't being dealt with with the situation to fight what was going on right now. It says right now there are more than 12,000 immigrants. Most um most of them are from the are are Haiti's or from Haiti itself. Uh they're Haitians. Um they're living in makeshift camps under the Del Rio International Bridge 
following days of openly crossing the river between the U.S. and Mexico illegally. So there you have it, folks. You have many agents testifying at the southern border, the influx that's going on, that they knew this was coming and that the DHS has done nothing, nothing, nor the Biden administration has done nothing to stop or prepare for this influx. And it's, folks, again, the Biden administration doesn't care. It's the Democratic motto. Never let a good crisis go to waste. And this is what they're doing. I told everyone several months back that when Joe Biden became president, he was going to do nothing. He was going to pull away from everything, foreign and domestic. Like I said, they talked about Donald Trump being an isolist, an isolationist. Who's the isolationist now? We, we even have our own allies that are reluctant to work with this administration. I wonder why. Everyone knows that Joe isn't in command. Everyone knows that, the, that his administration is a joke. Nobody knows what they're doing. That's what we have going on at the southern border. Again, that's just one article today. Now, this one is from Politico. This one says, Migration Maelstrom puts Biden in political vice. The article starts off as, Haiti is reeling from, a ye from years of devastation. The assassination of its president, a tropical storm, and a recent earthquake that killed thousands. It says, experiencing increased repression in the run-up to its elections, Cuba recently saw a violent crackdown after historic protests calling for the end of a 62-year-old communist regime. More broadly, Latin America has been ravaged by the coronavirus pandemic and economic crises. President Joe Biden's immigration troubles don't start at the U.S.-Mexican border. They're a symptom of a Western Hemisphere in crisis, a crisis with a domestic political implications for the 2022 elections and beyond. It says trapped between progressives fuming over the plan to deport thousands of migrants back to Haiti, moderate Democrats are frustrated that Biden hasn't done enough to deter immigrants from making the trek to the U.S.-Mexico border. And Republicans who contend the administration's border policies have contributed to a surge of illegal border crises. There is no political safe harbor on the left or the right for Joe Biden. I'm just going to go ahead and say this. I have no idea in this article as I read this, how in the world you can equate the Republicans being responsible for what's happening at the southern border. Joe Biden is the one 
when he got elected and before who said, yeah, come on in. Come on in. You look at the border, how many people that's coming to the border that's illegal immigrants, how many of them have shirts on it says Biden said let us come in? Because, folks, that's what he said. He has said it multiple times. But here we go again. Like any situation, just like in this article, what have we heard? Well, it's not just the left's problem. It's the Republicans, really. It's their fault. Folks, the Republicans have been wanting to shut this down. They've been wanting to reinstate the Donald Trump border policies and laws and regulations that were working. So I'm going to counteract this article a little bit. Continuing on with the article here from Politico, it says, They've completely boggled it from the jumpstart. This is a longtime Democratic uh, observative in, uh, ob- observative in Texas, Colin Schrother, uh, if I'm pronouncing his name correctly, stated there has been a real human cost, and there's no, there's no, there's going to be a massive political cost in 2022. This article is kind of written written very weird here, so just stick with me. It says, Biden's troubles have been on full display in recent days as scenes of thousands of thousands of mostly Haitian immigrants are making makeshift camps under the International Bridge at Del Rio, Texas, which has been captured on headlines and cameras from news agencies on different segments all over the United States. It says, the left Democrats across the spectrum are frustrated with the administration's handling of both the humanitarian crisis in the region and the violent policies surrounding immigration along the U.S. southern border. Again, violent policies? Whose policies are these? Because I know what people is going to say, well, it's that damn Donald Trump. No, no, folks, it's not Donald Trump's. Remember, day one, day one, when Joe Biden came in, what did he do? Executive order after executive order after executive order. And what did he get rid of? He removed Donald Trump's border policies. This is why we have this going on at the southern border right now. So for anyone out there that's going to say, well, it's, it's Donald Trump. No, Donald Trump's policies were removed by this administration, by Joe Biden's executive order. The policies that's on the book right now, those are Obama's. Those are Obama's and those are Joe Biden's. Remember the kids in cages? Whose was that? Who implemented that? And we heard, orange man bad, it's all him. No. Barack Obama's. Pictures of kids in cages with colorful pictures on the cage walls. Barack Obama, Joe Biden. 
You have courts right now that are trying to get Donald Trump's border immigration rules and policies and laws and procedures. They're trying to get them re-implemented in Texas and at the southern border because they know they worked. We don't have this with this administration. We're running on bad policies from past presidentials. <clears throat> Again, Barack Obama. There's no denying it. For anyone that wants to sit there and argue with this, go look it up. The policies that they're running on right now are Obama's policies. They scrapped Donald Trump's. This is Obama's policy. And at the time, who was the vice president? Joe Biden. These are just as much his policies as they are Barack Obama's. I don't care how you want to squirm and wiggle your way out of it. That's the truth. So that is the article there from Politico. I, I just, I wanted to read that. I, I, I really did. Getting on to some other news besides what's happening at the influx at the southern border. I want to bring in the Biden approval rating right now. Now, this rating came out September 16th of this year, just about five days ago. This poll is from Rutgers. It's Biden's approval drops to the lowest in his presidency yet. We're going to go ahead and I'm going to read it. It says public approval for the U.S. president, Joe Biden, has dropped to its lowest level of his presidency, with the Americans appearing to be increasingly critical of his response to the coronavirus pandemic. According to the latest Rutgers uh, IPAS option and opinion pools. It says the national pool conducted September of the 15th and 16th, found that 44% of U.S. adults approved of Biden's performance in office, while 50% disapproved and the rest were not sure. Biden's popularity has been declining since mid-August as the U.S.-backed Afghanistan government collapsed and as COVID-19-related deaths surged across the country. It says most Americans support the kind of vaccine and mass requirements that Biden has ordered recently to slow the spread of the Delta variant. Some Republicans have criticized what they consider to be an overreaction by the White House. It says while the polls showed that the number of Americans who approved of Biden's response to the pandemic dropped below 50% for the first time, about 48% approved of the president's COVID-19 policies, while 46% disapproved. At the same point in Donald Trump's presidency, about 38% of Americans approved of his performance in office, while 57% disapproved. It says the Reuters poll is conducted online in English uh, throughout the United States. Uh, the latest polls gathered response from about 1,005 adults in total, including 442 Democrats and 360 Republicans. Uh, it says it has a credibility 
interval of measuring precision of four percentage points. So there you go. There is the presidential pool from Rutgers um, here five days ago. Not surprising. The next thing that we're going to talk about here that I have got to get into. This article is also from Reuters. There's also one from Politico as well and from the Washington Post. All of them are on about the same key par level as one another. I'll go ahead and read the the top one here. It says Johnson and Johnson says second shot boosts pr uh, protection for moderate severe COVID-19 to about 94%. Uh, this came out today in Chicago. It says Johnson and Johnson said <clears throat> Tuesday that a second shot of its COVID-19 vaccine given about two months after the first increased its effectiveness to 94% in the United States against the moderate to severe forms of the disease COVID-19. It says that compares to a 70% protection with a single dose. Uh, the data will help Johnson & Johnson make its case to the U.S. Uh, regulators for the booster shot, even as company stresses the durability of its single shot vaccine dose as a tool to ease global pandemic. It says Joe Biden is pushing for booster shots in the face of surging hospitalizations caused by the Delta variant. And Johnson & Johnson and other drug makers with a single dose COVID-19 shot approved in the United States has been under pressure to produce evidence of the effectiveness of its additional second dose or booster shot doses. Well, I'm just going to go ahead and tell everybody right now. I keep hearing the same thing about this booster shot fight. Not just from Johnson & Johnson, but Pfizer and Moderna. And then I heard here yesterday something that really shakes me to my core. That is where Pfizer has come out and said they're seeking FDA approval. Within the next three weeks, this is from their, their own company that I'm, I'm, I'm reading this from. They're seeking approval in the next three weeks from the FDA to start giving a lesser doses shot to your children. You did not hear wrong with what I just said. Pfizer is looking in the next three weeks to introduce a one-step shot for children under the age of 16 and below with a lower dosage level than a, an adult dosage for COVID-19. Folks, this has me worried on many levels for many good reasons. One, and I have stressed this in many podcasts, there are studies out there showing blood clotting and 
thicker blood from people that are taking the COVID shots. That will lead to many other health issues, rather now or down the road. There's even been talk, and this is talk, and I have seen some studies coming out from universities and, and, and lab institutions studying the different COVID variants and COVID vaccines. There's a lot of doctors that are worried that these vaccines, because of what is in the vaccines, could cause sterilization. Do we really want our children taking this vaccine in its infancy stages? I will not subject, I will go on record in just saying this, and you can find me appalling if you want to or not. I will not subject my three daughters, rather with the approval or disapproval of their mother or anyone else, I will not be subjecting my three daughters who are all under the age of 10 to any vaccine that has to do with COVID-19. There's not enough trial-based evidence with it. There's already numerous reports about problems with the shot, rather long-term or short-term effects. And now I'm reading reports about it causing sterilization, infertility problems. I am not going to subject my children to that. And if you are someone who has not been vaccinated, I can see why you haven't got vaccinated. I'm not against you. If you're someone who took the shot, now I took the shot, I've made this public before. There's nothing wrong with taking it. But again, I do heed everyone on the side of caution. Because there is no extensive study in these vaccines. They were ramped through. And we don't know what the long-term effect is going to be. <clears throat> so I will not be letting my children participate in that. And I've got news for the Biden administration. If that becomes the next mandated push is to have children vaccinated when the FDA comes through, and they will. They'll approve it because I can tell you what the next fight is going to be on everyone's doorstep. It's going to be in order for your children to go to a school or a public school or any school in general, they have to have the COVID shot. That's what's next, folks. That's the next mandate to come down. I'm saying this in advance right now. When Pfizer gets the green light in the next couple of weeks here, for their child vaccine, I guarantee you that will be the next mandate pushed by the Biden administration. What do you want to bet? What do you want to bet? Now, I am going to take my last profit timeout here. I've got some advertisements for some companies. I've, I've got my own advertising 
I'm also going to go ahead and tell you right now, I have started the advertisement for Joe Blystone, who I am re I, I am going to vote for, and I hope everyone in the Ohio area is going to vote for in the 2022 election here in Ohio for the governor of Ohio. I am going to go ahead and just formally announce that I am supporting the run for governor to replace Governor DeWine here in Ohio. I am voting and placing my vote. I will be advertising for his campaign. You will hear it on this, starting on the, this podcast here and going forward for Joe Blystone. He's a farmer here in Ohio. I am going to start advertising for his campaign. And I want everyone to listen to his campaign and what he has to offer for his future governorship, hopefully, if elected. I just wanted to throw that out there when you start hearing the commercials here in the podcast. So we're going to take a commercial timeout. This will be the last one. And then we'll be right back to finish up the podcast today. Hold tight, folks. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, inventor of MyPillow. Thanks to your support, you've helped make MyPillow become one of the fastest growing companies in America. Over the last 12 years, you've helped MyPillow create thousands of jobs right here in the USA. Every MyPillow is made with passion here in my home state of Minnesota to ensure you get the best sleep of your life. One of the things that I really like about MyPillow is the support. It gives my neck a little hug. I've never slept better in my life. What's better than a great night's sleep? Sleep is one of the most important things to your health, and my pillow is one of the most important things to your sleep. Call or go to mypillow.com now, and Mike will give you two my pillow premiums for one low price. Use the promo code, and you'll also receive free shipping. That's two my pillow premiums for one low price. I tried every pillow from expensive down pillows that just went flat to fiber fill pillows that rebound every time you move your head. I even tried those memory foam pillows, and the curve did not match my neck, and it probably won't match yours. That's why I invented my pillow. My patented fill adjusts to your exact individual needs and helps keep your neck supported and aligned. When I got my pillow, I'm asleep almost immediately. I stay asleep at night, and I wake up more well-rested in the morning. MyPillow lasts 10 years, is machine washable and dryable, and comes with a 60-day money-back guarantee. I personally guarantee MyPillow will be the most comfortable pillow you'll ever own or your money back. Call or go to MyPillow.com now, and Mike will give you two MyPillow premiums for one low price. Use the promo code and you'll also receive free shipping. That's two MyPillow premiums for one low price. With our 60-day money-back guarantee, you have nothing to lose. Sleep well, America! I've lived in Ohio my whole life, grew up here, built my life here on this farm. I was raised to not complain. If there was a problem, we'd have to find a solution. I'm not afraid to stand up for what I believe in, so I decided to become part of the solution here in Ohio. Ohioans deserve to have a voice that isn't bound by special interest and political favors. 
There's no reason why Ohio can't have a balanced budget. We need to protect the sanctity of life, protect the Second Amendment, and allow the people of Ohio to have the freedom to make their own choices for their health. I want to fight for the common people because that's what I am. Join me as we fight for what's right in Ohio. Support Joe Blystone for governor. And we are back from our last obscene profit timeout here. So I'm going to go ahead and get um, silver wham bam here. We uh, get them tuned down here as we march into the final um, time here with our podcast. So we were discussing before I went to break about COVID-19 vaccines being pushed out here for children under the age of 16. Um, I'm going to go ahead and read to you what Pfizer on AP News directly said in their comments. And I'm going to correct myself because it's actually this, this vaccine that they're getting ready to push out for FDA approval is for kids in the ages of 5 to 11. So again, it's not 16, it's for ages 5 to 11. Here's the the, uh, start of the column here. It says, Pfizer says COVID-19 vaccine works in kids ages 5 to 11. It says Pfizer on Monday said it's COVID-19 vaccine works for children ages 5 to 11 and that it will seek U.S. authorization for the age group soon within the coming weeks, a key step toward beginning vaccinations for youngsters. Uh, Pfizer made uh, Pfizer made by its German counterpart BioNTech already has available for everyone 12 and older a vaccine, but with kids now back to school the extra contingencies of the Delta variant causing a huge jump in pandemic infections and infection rates. Many parents with anxiety are anxiously awaiting vaccinations for their younger children. It says the elementary school age kids, Pfizer tested much lower, a much lower dose, a third of the amount that's in a normal shot that's given. Yet after their second dose, children ages 5 to 11 developed coronavirus-fighting antibodies levels just as strong as teenagers and young adults getting the regular strength shots. Dr. Bill uh, Gruber, a Pfizer senior vice president at Pfizer, told the Associated Press on Monday. So that is on the AP. That is directly from Pfizer, like I talked about before break. They are going to be pushing an FDA approval for now children ages 5 to 11. And I'm telling you, folks, as soon as this approval hits FDA approval, I'm telling you what's happening. You will see another mandate for all children ages five and up, attending a school, you will see a mandate. I guarantee this. 
And I hope people weigh in on this. I know people's going to say, well, that's just not true. You don't. No, I'm telling you, you're going to see it. And when you see it, don't be surprised when I said, I told you so. It's coming. Just wait. So that was Pfizer and their new shot for the ages five and up. I want to go ahead also, like I talked about before the break, I talked to everyone I mentioned about I was not going to subject my children, my three daughters, to it. And I'm not. I've already made that decision. And I know there's going to be tons of parents across the United States that already feel the same way. You're already seeing the pushback in hospitals as staff are threatening to walk out over the mandate right now for companies or hospitals or federal employees with more than 100 workers that have to get the COVID shot. You're already seeing the pushback in our hospitals. I talked about this on my last podcast. Well, I had mentioned about fertility issues. And I know there's a lot of articles out there on this for men and women or women that are pregnant. And I know you hear a lot of articles out there that said, well, there's just no evidence. Well, there is and there isn't. So I'm going to read this. This is from the muhealth.org. This says, does the COVID-19 vaccine affect fertility? Here's what experts say. Now, this is two doctors. The first one uh, is Laura Morris, MD. Now, she states on here that it's a rumor that the COVID-19 shots for women that are pregnant is safe. Her comment is, there is no plausible reason, nor medical or scientific mechanism for this vaccine to interact with a woman's reproductive organs or have any interaction with an egg that has been released for fertilization. Now, she admits that there is, within the vaccine, uh, there are certain chemicals in this, in this vaccine for COVID-19 that have, there's no data that shows it, but there are concerns that there may cause infertility um, in the scientific theories and that they have studied the vaccine on women that are pregnant or women that's wanting to get pregnant, um, but have at best, it's the results have been speculative. Now, one argument is here, I'm going to read it off, is that there is an assumption that the vaccine itself could cause the body to attack the, I'm going to try to pronounce this, synthotin 1, a protein that is in, um, that's in the vaccine itself, that a small piece of the genetic code in our bodies with the spike protein of the coronavirus, that it could become, the body could look at that and attack it. Uh, she has said on here, a good analogy I've heard is that for your immune system to get mixed up and attack the potential or the placental protein, and it, your body would would 
mess up looking at that protein and mistake it as a protein that needs to be attacked. Now, she equates this as um, mistaking an elephant uh, to a mouse or an alley cat. She says that she believes there is no reason to be worried. But again, the Institute can't 100% guarantee that there wouldn't be an issue. Again, this is an assumption. Now, they have studied pregnant women who already have COVID and have found that pregnant women with COVID are more likely to experience preterm delivery and that the effects of COVID on the pregnancy is real um, and it can cause pregnancy issues. Now, on the other hand, looking at the male spectrum for fertility, Dr. Hashu recommends the COVID vaccine for men, um, even though there is a concern for fertility because of possible side effects. He put on here that even though they have done uh, research, which was a peer-reviewed journal article on potential negative impact of the COVID-19 disease on testicular function, sperm production, and male fertility, they have done the same for the vaccine. It says, some studies have shown that the SARS-CoV-2 virus has been found in sperm of men with COVID-19 infection. It says the SARS-CoV-2 virus may impact male hormones necessary for normal sperm production. And there are numerous reports of men with testicular or scrotal pain after getting the COVID-19 disease. Now, he does come down here and talk about the vaccine. He says men who are worried about their fertility should probably still get the 19 vaccination. Hasu said there are some concerns about potential effects of the COVID-19 disease on male fertility, even with the vaccine. One reason, again, as I stated before, is the protein uh, that is in that your body makes from the COVID-19 vaccine. There's a lot of experts that argue. Now, he's not one of them, but it states there's a lot of doctors out there that argue that the body could look at those certain proteins and attack them as a mis, I guess, characteristic of the, of, of the protein itself. Now, I have went through here, folks, and I have looked at many different, many different um, studies on fertility. You have doctors that are weighing in saying that they feel that for some research that there is a fertility problem. Others have said there is nothing. But again, even the ones that are saying there is nothing, they still bring up that protein argument. But the body may or may not, they can't say for certain, identify certain proteins as negative and attack it. So the fertility... Um, the fertility issue in the COVID-19 vaccine 
has not been put to rest. So I'm just going to go ahead and tell you now, I still have a very, very um, dislike to certain vaccines that are given to kids, not just the COVID-19 vaccine that they're talking about doing to kids is five and up. We've seen it in past instances where fertility issues become common. Look at the birth control out there right now for women. There's several different types of birth control. You go, if you're a woman, and you, you, you go see your, your, your family doctor or you, you, go see, um, <clears throat> you go see your specialist. And what, what do they tell you? There's a lot of counterceptives out there now and birth control that they're just now saying that they were safe at the beginning. Now they're coming out and saying, no, they're causing fertility problems. You look at the IUDs, certain ones that they put in women's arms now. What are you finding out? Long-term effects is fertility issues. And now they're having to go back through because these companies are being sued. Because they're being tied to fertility issues. Again, I'm not going to sit here and tell everybody that for certain they call it that the COVID-19 vaccine causes fertility issues, but it is a concern that there is or isn't enough data out there. I, I, I've read 20 different researches on this from different doctors and different institutes, and each one of them says something different, rather yay or nay, because there isn't enough data out there, folks. And now they want to push this on kids. I'm telling you what's coming in the next couple weeks. And the FDA is going to approve the next Pfizer shot for kids ages five and up. You give it a couple more months to a year, it's going to be for kids that are, are, are a couple months old. It'll be they need to start having vaccination shots for COVID. I'm telling you, it's coming. But it's something I think people need to do more research on, and that's why I bring up this topic today. You need to stay informed, and you need to look at what you're injecting yourself with. Because it's not commonly being told. And as for our government and government officials saying that, you know, they, they would never inject us with anything that is dangerous, you know that that's a lie. I mean, that, that's just a lie, folks. So I have a clip here. I'm going to try to find it here in just a second. I had it in my pile here of audio. Give me just a second to find it. I may have to come back to it here because I'm not seeing it. But basically what it was, it was all of the Democratic politicians basically saying a couple months back that they would never, and I mean never, inject us or, 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 or mandate any type of 
you know, shots for COVID-19 on the American public. Ah, I found it. So I want everybody to listen to this from the beginning. Here we go. This is a montage. I don't think it should be mandatory. I wouldn't demand to be mandatory, but I would do everything in my power. Just like I don't think masks have to be made mandatory nationwide. Can we mandate vaccines across the country? No, that's not a role that the federal government, I think, even has the power to make. We cannot require someone to be vaccinated. That's just not what we can do. It is a matter of privacy to know who is or who isn't. No, definitely not. You don't want to mandate and try and force anyone to take a vaccine. We've never done that. We don't want to be mandating from the federal government to the general population. It would be unenforceable and not appropriate. So there you go, folks. That that right there, uh, that was Joe Biden, your president. That was Jen Psaki of the White House Press. That was with her face covered in the muffled talk that you heard. That was the... Uh, Top of the house there, Nancy Pelosi. And the very last one was our favorite man to talk about, which I don't like to talk about anymore, Dr. Anthony Drafauci, the man of many different faces and many different untruths. So that's all I'm going to say on COVID today. The last bit of information that I'm going to discuss today, the very last article. And I wanted to get this in because I have a lot of people that tell me, well, Mr. Nash, a lot of stuff that you pull from, uh, you know, we find has um, more of a right swing tendency than a left swing. Okay, so here's what I'm going to do for everybody that has chimed in and says, I use too much right wing news. I'm going to go ahead and give you an article here from CNBC who most often reports more left policies and opinions than anyone other than CNN. This is over the topic that <clears throat> I want to discuss before I, I end my podcast. This is over the debt ceiling fight here in the government that's going on. They're getting ready to vote on this, folks. And either way they vote on this, it's going to be a lose for everyone. And I'm going to tell you why. So the article is debt ceiling versus government shutdown. How they're different and why they matter. It says Congress faces two massive takes over the next month. Funding the U.S. government and increasing the debt ceiling. It says the two concepts are direct between but often confused, especially when their deadlines are close together as they are in full of 2021. Lawmakers have until the end of this month to fund the government, while Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen has warned that extraordinary measures to strive off the debt limit are likely to run out in October. Here's how the two issues differ. There are two debts. Failure to fund the government 
results in a shutdown. We have seen this before, folks. But failure to increase the debt ceiling would lead to default. Now, why do they admit this in this news article? Because they're, un they're admitting a truth, folks, that the U.S. government, the House and the Senate, doesn't want to make public. We are over $30 trillion in our national deficit. If we raise the debt ceiling, we will default because we can't pay our debts off. We're spending more money, folks, than we're bringing in or that we can attack or tax the American people. So when that happens and you can't just, just like if it's an individual who can't pay their bills, the government has reached a point where they can't pay their bill. And this is why you have Mitch McConnell <clears throat> of the Republicans in the Senate saying they're, they're not going to raise the debt ceiling. And by doing so, we're in a, 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 we're in a tough spot. And there isn't going to be a surpass. Because even if they've raised that debt ceiling, which I don't think they should, again, we go into default anyway. Continuing on with this article, this is the government shutdown is the result of lawmakers disagreeing over how much to spend on future bills. Budget debates are forward-looking in the same sense that they deal with spending that hasn't been approved. This is Republicans and Democrats usually don't agree that the federal government should continue to pay to keep the lights on. Workers at the Department of Housing and Urban Development, Education, Interior Labor, and Commerce often have to sense home the majority of their workers until Congress approves a new budget. Now, we are supposed to have a budget, folks. Not just state. We're supposed to have a budget placed by the federal government every year. We have not had an actual budget for the federal government in over 20 years. Because our government feels, and the people that's in charge of it, they feel that there's no need for it anymore. And this is why we have overspending. This is why we're in the issue that we're in. And I'm going to tell you now, I've said this before and I'll say this again. The government can, can continue to print money all they want, but it's not worth the paper that it's printed on. We have nothing to back the dollar anymore. And the Treasury Department, folks, has borrowed against itself more often than not so much now so it's going to default either way. The dollar is dropping. And I've said this before. Before long, we're going to get to a depression era where it was during the depression many years ago. Where you're going to see a dollar bill laying on the road. And someone's going to pick it up, not to take the dollar, to see if there's anything valuable underneath the dollar bill. Because the dollar will be worthless. 
Now, I wish that upon no one. I wish that nothing like that on our country. Don't get me wrong. But there has to be accountability. And there has to be a point where we reach no return. And we say to ourselves, we have got to stop the needless spending. We have got to get a budget and we have got to get this under control. But again, it takes leadership, folks, to do that. And we don't have that in either the House or the Senate nor the presidency. And I don't care what political party you support. We don't have that on either side of the table, Republican or Democrat. We just don't. And maybe the handful of individuals that I would say do have the qualifications and the leadership to be in their seats is few and far between. And that's where I'm going to end my podcast. Leaving on a note to think about what I just read off to you about our country coming to a rock and a hard place. Some notes here before I end my podcast for another great episode. Um, I here in about another week or two, I will be having my very first um, interview on my podcast here on political theater. Um, I don't have a date set for it yet. I'm I'm waiting for some audio equipment um, to be shipped to me that I'm still waiting on. But we will have uh, some figures here in Marion County, Ohio, where I live, um, that want to introduce themselves, and they're they're running for different. Uh, offices here for Marion County. Again, this is for a local level for mine, but it will still be made uh, public for everyone to listen to. So if you live in the Marion area and you listen to me and you you plan on voting this election um, for your county and your districts, um, I will have some guests on. My very first guest here within, I'd say, another week or two, I'll get everyone a date for this and a time. Um Brett Cornelius, um, he is for city council at large. Um, now, I don't know Brett personally. Uh, he actually came to my door here Sunday morning. Um, I hadn't been feeling very well. Um, I got a doorbell went off and, and me and the wife went downstairs and he was at my door. He gave me a, a flyer here, told me what he was running for and what he wanted to do, and um, pitched a pretty good um, campaign to me. So in talking to him, uh, I, I told him what I do and that, uh, you know, I was starting to get into having people on my podcast for interviews. And I always preach to everyone if you want to make change, what's the number one thing that I say to everyone? You start from the bottom and work your way up. And he agreed with that. So I practice what I preach here, folks. You start from the bottom up. I don't care if you're going for city dog catcher. The best way to make change is to start from the bottom and work your way up. And Brett seems to be doing that. 
So I am going to give him an opportunity. He will be coming on, uh, like I said, probably another week or two. He will be coming on. He will be talking about his campaign. He's going to be introducing himself. We're going to hear some things about Brett, what he's running for. And if you live here in the city of Marion here in Ohio, where, where I do my podcast from, I would say pay attention. Um, I'm also going to be reaching out to either side, Republicans or Democrats, independents, whoever is running for either local, state, or federal levels. If you want to have yourself come on my podcast, I am open to anyone to come on here. I do not support one political spectrum over the other. Now, I did make it clear here, so I don't want someone going, well, I did make it clear here during my podcast. I am throwing my hat into the governorship ring for candidate Joe Blystone. And I'm hoping here in the next couple weeks, we have reached out to Joe Blystone. I'm hoping, not making a guarantee here, folks, I'm hoping to have time to do an interview. If they agree to it, I would like to interview Joe Blystone, who is running again for governor of Ohio to replace Mike DeWine. So again, if any level of government, if you would like to be on my podcast, if you would like to come on here, show who you are, and and give a message out about your campaign, I would more than welcome you and support you on any political spectrum. So again, I am your host, Charles Nash. This has been another great episode of Political Theater, and I will see everyone next time. Take care, folks.